Matthew 16 and 24, and Mark 8 and 34, and Luke 9 and 23. These three Gospels, Matthew 6, 24, Mark 8, 34, Luke 9, 23, Jesus made this statement. If any man will come after me, anybody interested in coming after him? If any man will come after me, let him, notice, deny himself and take up his cross. Luke added the word daily there after cross. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. I want you to notice two words in there. Deny himself. We see that passage of scripture recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Strong's used the word deny there, deny self, to deny utterly, to disown oneself, to abstain from that which one desires for self. Thayer's defined those two words as to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Jesus said, if any man or woman will come after him, let him or her utterly disown themselves, forget themselves, lose sight of themselves, and lose sight of their own interests, and take up the cross, follow him. I want to follow him. I want to follow him. Romans 8 and 13, Paul was writing to the church at Rome. He makes a very strong and clear statement. Romans 8 is worth reading the whole chapter, but we're not going to tonight. He said, for if you, everybody say me. All right, that's who he's talking to, you and me. If you live after the flesh, what's going to happen? You shall die. It's pretty straightforward. But, thank God for that three-letter word that changes everything. If you, everybody say, if I. If you and I, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, what happens? What happens? You shall, anybody interested in living? Real life? That's what he's talking about. If you live after the flesh, you will die. But if, 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 if you and I, through the Spirit, not just through our, not our own abilities, through the Spirit, we mortify the deeds of the body, will live. What's that word mortify mean? Strong says it means to kill, literally or figuratively, to become dead or to cause to be put to death. If you and I will kill, will allow or cause to be put to death, the deeds of our body will live. Third says it means to make to die to destroy, to render extinct. If I will make to die the deeds of my body. How do I do that? Through the Spirit. I'm in tune and fellowship with the Spirit, and then I make to die 
then I'm following after the Spirit, and in doing so, I make to die, I destroy, I render extinct the deeds of my body. And what happens? I live. I live. You live. True life. Colossians 3 and 5. Stay with me. This is just a little bit of foundation. We're going to shift gears in just a second in case you're getting nervous. Don't just dismiss this. We need to hear this. This is critical. Colossians 3 and 5. Paul writing to the church at Colossae said, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Mortify. And then he begins to list and name some of them in the next few verses and talk about them. Mortify. Different words, slightly. Different Greek word that he used here. Mortify. To deaden, to subdue. To subdue is to bring under subjection. To be dead. He said, mortify your members that are on the earth. Thayer said, deprive of power. Destroy the strength of that evil desire that lurks in the members of your body. That's what he meant there by mortify. To deprive of power. How do you deprive something of power? Starve it. Yeah, starve it. Kill it. Yeah. If, if I wanted to, brother, un, who said that? Unplug. Disconnect. Disconnect. I'm going to say that again. Disconnect. You want to mortify? You want to derive, deprive something? Paul said, mortify the members which are on the earth. How do I mortify those members of my body? I have to deprive them. I have to destroy them. I have to deprive them of power, destroy the, where they get their strength from. So what do I do? I have to disconnect the thing that feeds them. I have to disconnect from that source. If that's relationships, if that's things coming into my eyes or my ears, what I have to deprive it of power. I have to remove the source that's feeding it to mortify it. We understand that, yes? Mortify the deeds of the body. Amen. We must do this if we're going to live. Amen? Pray with me again right now. Just about these couple of verses we've read already. Lord, lead us according to your word in this matter. Help us to receive and understand what you're speaking to us about this. Help us to hear what you're saying in this matter, Lord. Let it be written on our hearts so that your will is done. In your church, through us, the way you want to use us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So that was just a little bit of an intro. I told you we're going to shift gears. Stay with me. So we got to deny ourselves. We got to mortify some members. We got to do those things. Now watch. Now, I think we would all agree that we understand the need 
and we should as Christians, to give ourselves to prayer and to the Word. Can we agree with that? Anybody agree we, we should daily give ourselves to prayer? Anybody agree we should daily give ourselves to time in the Word? We understand that, don't we? We understand that there is a need and a responsibility as a child of God in relation, not, not to be checking off a list or doing a duty, but to be in fellowship with Him. We fellowship Him in prayer. We fellowship Him through His Word. And I thank God, clearly, many, many of us do this consistently. Thank God we should. It's vital. It's necessary for life. These are some ways that we disconnect from some other things by connecting to the right thing. Right? We have to just change what we're connected to. I mortify the deeds of my body, but I connect to the things of the Spirit. Then I live. Right? I deny myself, but I take up His cross. You see, I'm denying one, but I'm laying I'm, I'm not just now wandering aimlessly, disconnected and self-denying. No, 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 no. I'm denying self to take up His cross. I'm disconnecting. I'm stripping away the power of the deeds of my body so that I can connect to the things of the Spirit and receive of Him. This is what the writer's talking to us about. And so we understand the need of prayer and of reading the Word. I have a question for you. Sort of a loaded question. But it's genuine. Really. How many of you enjoy praying? It's okay. This isn't, this isn't you bragging, or right? Prayer can be enjoyable, can it? You can get into a place and feel the presence of God. and Yeah. How many, how many of you enjoy spending time in the Word? Maybe not, maybe not always. Some days it's like, man, I don't know, I'm trying to stay awake. But, right? But sometimes, man, you can read the Word and it's talking to your heart. And, yeah, and maybe you just read a passage you read before and it just pricks right in your spirit. Maybe tears begin to flow or joy floods your soul. And you're like, man, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we, we know and we understand the value in that, don't you? How many of you enjoy fasting? No. No, me neither. Me neither. I want to talk to you tonight about fasting. If we, as a people of God, desire to walk in the things of God the way His Word declares... And if we desire to walk in the supernatural the way Christ intends for us to walk in the supernatural, prayer and the Word are not enough. Prayer and the Word are not enough. I'm going to show you in Scripture. I know we'd like to think it's enough. I could ask you to pray. You'll say, I pray. I could ask you to read the word. You'll say, I read the word. I ask you to fast. You're like, oh, how long? <laughs> and most of you, I would imagine, I don't need to ask you to pray. You have a place of prayer. Many of you, I don't need to encourage or ask to be in the word. You have a place of time in the word. Don't raise your hand. 
but I would dare say the percentages drop significantly if I ask how many have a consistent place of fasting each week, each month. Why do we dismiss fasting? We, we, we recognize the value and the need for prayer in the word. Do we believe fasting is less important of a spiritual discipline? I don't think we do believe that. I think we just really dislike fasting. Because I can pray and not deny myself. I can pray and not mortify the deeds of my body. I can read the word and not deny myself and not mortify the deeds of my body. But I cannot fast without denying myself. And that's why we don't fast as we should. I'm talking to myself as much as you. There is a hunger in my spirit for the deep things of God. We will not find them without fasting. If I believe these words of Christ that we referenced in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, and I believe the admonition of the Apostle Paul that we read to the church at Rome in Colossae of denying self and mortifying, the primary way to deny myself and to mortify the deeds of my body is through fasting. I know you're excited about this. I can tell. Before we're done tonight, I believe by the power and the revelation of the word of God, that God by his word and his spirit will put something into our spirit that says, dear Lord, based on what your word tells me, I will fast. I want to see what your word declares, and I see it now like I haven't before. We must be a church of prayer. We must be a church of the word, and we must be a church of, that fasts. So, I will tell you one of the most significant ways to scripturally deny ourselves and mortify the deeds of our body is through fasting. Fasting, very simply, by definition, is to abstain or do without food and or drink. And therein lies the problem. I like to eat and you like to eat. And I like to drink my coffee and you like to drink your Red Bull and right. fill in the blank. And to abstain from those things is contrary to the will of my flesh. I'll give you some quick examples. Again, I'm moving quickly. Just some examples of the power of fasting. Moses, anybody ever heard of him? Moses fasted. Scripture says he went 40 days and 40 nights without food or drink. Now, it better be the Lord that takes you to that place if you go to that place. Because it has to be a supernatural thing. Your body cannot survive 40 days without anything to drink. 
except the Lord supernaturally empower you like he did Moses. Okay? But Moses went to that place, and in so doing, because of his fasting, he got into a place with God, so much so that the very skin of his face shined. The glory of God emanating from his very face He was in a place of fasting and relationship with God to the point that his face had to be covered up with a veil because the glory of God emanated from it so brightly. That didn't happen through just prayer. It was prayer and fasting and getting along with God. And he ended up in a place with God that few, if any, other men have ever stood. So much so became the relationship of Moses with God that God said of Moses, when I speak to him, I speak to him like a man speaks to his friend face to face. That did not happen simply by prayer, going to church on Sunday and Thursday. It happened by submitting himself and fasting, denying himself, mortifying the deeds of his body. Moses entered into a place because of fasting. Esther was chosen of God, as each and every one of you have been chosen of God. But when faced with a dilemma that was far bigger than her, that affected a nation of people, Esther had the wherewithal to understand, I need to call the people to a fast. I need direction from God. I need wisdom from God. I don't even know how to approach the king in this matter. And if I'm out of order, I could lose my very life. Mordecai, get a message out to the people of God. Call them to a place of fasting. And they did, and as they fasted, God gave Esther favor with the king. God gave Esther gave Esther wisdom on how to speak to the king and handle the affairs. And God opened a door of witness for Esther and turned the hand of the enemy against himself and opened a door of deliverance for the people of God because the children of God responded to a call to fasting. Don't think that just happened just because God responded to fast. How important is fasting and humbling yourself? It's not just an act or a duty. It's an humbling of myself before God, a pushing away of the plate, a denying of my flesh, a mortifying of the deeds of my body. Notice, Jonah went into Nineveh. He did not want to go. He hated the Ninevites because of what they'd done to the Israelites. That's why he went the other way. But God had chosen him. And so the great fish came and swallowed him when he was thrown overboard and vomited him out on the shore. And he said, okay, God, I'll go. And he went into Nineveh preaching repentance and that they were going to be destroyed. And a heathen king, a heathen king, heard the word of the Lord and he repented. And he called on the people of Nineveh to fast and humble themselves. This was a heathen nation. And because they humbled themselves in prayer and fasting, God stayed his judgment and spared 120,000 souls of Nineveh 
at the time. I'm telling you, fasting arrests the attention of God. Fasting gets us in tune with the spirit and the will of God. Fasting gets this flesh out of the way and brings us in deeper relationship with the spirit. We must purpose to be a people that will give ourselves to fasting. Nehemiah, he was just a cupbearer. Children of Israel were in captivity, but he found himself in a place as a cupbearer. He went before the king. You can read it in Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah called the people of God into fasting. He led them there. And because he led them into fasting together, we find that Nehemiah found grace. He found favor. He found wisdom from the Lord. He had discernment of those adversaries that would come against him. He got direction from God and he got provision from God in the middle of adversity. In the middle of people opposing the will of God and opposing him doing the will of God. All of those things came after he declared a fast and the people of God fasted together And in 52 days following this time of fasting, in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in the face of opposition. Why? I believe fasting arrested the attention of God. Fasting got the people so in unity and in tune with the voice of God and the Spirit of God that they could do the work that God had ordained them to do. And when Nehemiah gave direction, there was unity. I believe that unity started in their fasting together. Daniel can read his story. I'm just giving you a few examples. You're not getting them all. We need to understand there's a precedence that comes when the people of God will fast and pray. I know it's not our favorite subject. We all admitted it. But my question is, do we desire the deep spiritual things of God and the manifestation of His Spirit Or are we more comfortable just going through certain things but not pressing into the deep things of God? Daniel said, Daniel chapter 9, he said, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer with fasting. I set my face to the Lord God. I wanted to seek Him by prayer and fasting. Hear me. You need answers. You need direction. You need wisdom for situations and circumstances. We'll pray and ask God, and He hears. But Daniel understood if I really want to get to a place, I've I, I got to press beyond just a now I lay me down to sleep prayer. I've got to go beyond just I have a hunger for something that's deeper than where I've been. I've set my face 
to the Lord God. I've set my face to seek the Lord and I want him to know how intent I am. And therefore, my seeking is one of prayer and supplication with fasting. I'm hungry for the things of God more than the natural things. I'm hungry for a relationship and to hear a word from God more than I am the natural things. Notice the result in Daniel chapter 10. The very angel of God showed up in Daniel's presence after he had been fasting. And the angel of the Lord said to him, I have come for your words. Matter of fact, he said, the moment you set your face, I heard you. The Lord heard you. The moment you chastened yourself, humbled yourself, the Lord heard you and I came. But here's what happened, Daniel. The prince of Persia, the spiritual prince withstood me. What broke it? I'll tell you what broke it. Daniel stayed in a place of prayer and fasting. Sometimes we pray and we don't get a response and we don't understand. It's because there are spiritual strongholds that have to be broken for our answer to get through. And the only way they're broken is prayer with fasting. Daniel understood it and he was fasting and an angel said, I've come for your words or I have come in response to your prayer. I came the moment you set your face, the moment you humbled yourself. But the spiritual prince of Persia withstood me. But the angel has come and is still warring with him. And so I'm here now for your words. And in response to Daniel's prayer and fasting, this angel of the Lord began to reveal future events to Daniel. Prayer and fasting. Anybody interested in God showing you things you've never seen before? I am. Anybody interested in God opening the windows of heaven and opening your eyes spiritually to see in dimensions and depths you've not yet seen before? I am. Anyone interested in opening the Word of God and reading it coming alive like never before and the God of the book leaping off the pages into your spirit and heart and quickening His Word to you? I am. Fasting. Fasting, a denying of self, a mortifying of the deeds of the body, a crucifying of those things, saying, Lord, I'm more hungry for you than anything else. Jesus fasted. Didn't he? Jesus fasted before he began to walk in ministry in the power of the Spirit. Read it in Luke 8, or not Luke 8, Luke 4. He was fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. You know that story. He was tempted of Satan. But he came out of the wilderness. After fasting, in the power of the Spirit. And the anointing of God was upon him. That followed fasting. If it, had, if it took fasting for the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You think you and I can skip that part? Oh, no. We're called the fasting. Matthew 17, 21, Mark 9 and 29. Both say almost the same thing. There was a man who brought his son. Son was possessed of spirit, often cast himself into the fire uncontrollably. This father was broken for his child. He brought him to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't cast him out. And Jesus came and said, bring the boy to me, and spoke to the unclean spirit. And it left the boy, was made whole and still, and in his right mind, we see this We see this historical account recorded here in Matthew 17, also in Mark chapter 9. And in each case, the disciples said, Jesus, why could we not cast him out? Jesus' response was very clear and very certain. He said, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. In Mark 9, 29, the same, the same historical account, but Mark's words said, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. If you and I want to have apostolic authority over unclean spirits, if you and I want to walk in apostolic authority that lays hands on the sick and sees them recover, there is a beckoning of the Word of God and the Spirit of God upon the church in this hour. And it is a call to a place of humbling ourselves, denying ourselves, mortifying the deeds of our body. And there is no greater scriptural way than through fasting. There are certain things and kinds of spirits that you and I receive authority over only by the very words of Jesus himself through prayer and fasting. Fasting brings us into a place of closeness with God that nothing else can. Fasting gives us a sensitivity to His voice that isn't there when all the other noise of the world is clamoring and we're feeding our flesh with all of the things of this world, worldly entertainment, worldly noise, and just worldly cares. And Fasting brings those things and shuts them down and Brings a sensitivity to the voice of the Lord, a sensitivity to His Spirit, His leading, unlike nothing else. Why does our flesh, why does our flesh and the adversary seek to keep us from fasting? It's not a trick question. I've come to a realization. The adversary doesn't like it when you're in the Word. But he'll endure. The adversary really doesn't like it when you're in the Word and you're in prayer. But I promise you, the terror of the Lord grips the adversary when you and I give ourselves to prayer, the Word, and fasting. You're going to see why here in a minute. We're getting ready to shift gears again. Prayer and the Word and fasting together accomplish what nothing else of those three by themselves or just paired together can do. 
Fasting is a key that we must begin to utilize as a church like never before. I'm not wanting to do things just for doing them's sake. You understand? We need, to re- we need scriptural revelation and understanding so that we engage with the right motive. But we cannot deny the multitude of scripture that calls the church to a place of fasting. It can't be something we do periodically. It must be something we do consistently. It's a part of denying ourselves. It's a part of mortifying the deeds. That's how we live. That's how we live. More importantly, that's how Christ lives in us. So why do you think the flesh avoids fasting? Why do you think the adversary doesn't want you to fast? Fasting opens the door to the supernatural working of His Spirit in and through our lives in greater dimension. Without fail, I can tell you, I'll spend a day in fasting, and the next morning my place of prayer is deeper and richer than almost any other time in the week. Not always. Not always that way on the day I'm fasting. Sometimes on the days I'm fasting, I'm like, my goodness. And here's the deception. I'm fasting, but this isn't helping at all. Don't believe that lie. When you're fasting, you're denying your flesh. When you're fasting, you're denying yourself. It can feel like, man, I'm praying and I can't even stay awake. There's no power that seems in my... You got to keep fasting and press through. It's on the other side. It's on the other side. It's on the other side. Don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap if you're faint not. Is anyone hearing with me the beckoning of the Lord? To a place of humbling ourselves and fasting before Him. To see Him move and work the way He wants to move and work. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hear me, fasting opens the door into a dimension in the supernatural that you have not walked in yet. But God wants to lead you there. Fasting accomplishes things in the spirit world that cannot be accomplished through prayer alone. That's why Jesus said, How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. If prayer alone would have been enough, he wouldn't have said, but by prayer and fasting. We must purpose individually and collectively to give ourselves to scriptural, God-ordained fasting. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Isaiah 58 is often referred to as the fasting chapter. Please walk through this with me quickly and hear the word of the Lord. I know you're taking notes. Please continue to feel free to do so. I'll also share my notes with you following. I'll make them available. I want us to continue to dig. I believe the Lord will continue to reveal things about this to us. Isaiah 58, hear the word of the Lord, starting with verse number 1. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression 
and the house of Jacob their sins. This is the Lord telling Isaiah what to do. Excuse me. Watch. Here's what he says about the people of Israel. From the Lord through Isaiah to the people of Israel. Verse 2. They seek me daily. What is that? That's prayer. They seek me daily. And they delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness. And they forsook not the ordinance of their God. That's his word. Yes. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. That's his word. And they take delight. Watch. They enjoy approaching to God. This all sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, they say, and you don't see it. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and you don't take any knowledge of it. Now the Lord responds to their questions they're asking because they got all this confidence in what we read in verse 2 and what they're doing. Jesus said, or the Lord said, no, this wasn't Jesus, this is the Lord Jehovah. He hadn't manifested himself in flesh yet. The Lord God said to them through Isaiah, Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. What's interesting is if you read that in the Amplified, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this will be close. If you read that in the Amplified, he said, in the day of your fast when you should be broken and humble and repenting of your sins, you fast and then you do things that you enjoy doing while you're not eating. Can I just bring that into 2022 for you? I'm not eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner today. So to pass the time to keep my mind busy, I'm on YouTube. I'm on social media. I'm catching up on the latest whatever. I'm taking care of my task list at home and doing a bunch. Just keeping my, you're doing things that you find play. So you're not eating, but you're still doing what your flesh wants to do rather than humbling yourself broken in repentance and seeking the face of God. This is what the Lord is saying to them. They're saying, haven't you seen our fast? He said, this is your fast. In the day of your fast, you're still doing what you find pleasure in. So you're still pleasing your flesh, except you're not eating. So really, you're just miserable. And you exact all your labors. What's that mean? He's saying, you're fasting... And you're saying, well, you know, because I'm fasting, I can't do this work over here and I can't do this work over here. But you're exacting your labors. You're getting somebody else to do your work while you're fasting. You're just assigning. And he said, you fast for strife and debate. You want to be able to argue about stuff. And to smite with the fist of wickedness. Notice what he said. You'll not fast like you do this day in order to make your voice be heard on high. If you're fasting like that, that doesn't cause your voice to be heard on high. It's literally what he said. Verse 5. Is that or is it such a fast that I've chosen? Who's talking here? The Lord. He said, is that the kind of fast I chose? A day for a man to just afflict his soul? To bow down his head as a bulrush, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? 
Will you call this a fast? Man, that's not what they were thinking. They delight in approaching to the Lord. You know what I, when I read those first five verses, you know what I read? I read the children of Israel that were really enjoying their religious traditions and routines. We go to the synagogue every Sabbath and we really enjoy that. Bring that into 2022. And we go to church every Sunday and we enjoy Thursday night. And we, we do that. And we delight in approaching to God. He was calling them as he's calling us. Now, thank God he didn't stop there by telling us what wasn't acceptable to him. Now, watch. Stay with me. We're going to really shift right now. And we must be listening with our spirit because what we're going to step into right now is what the Lord wants to do with us if we'll give ourselves to fasting. There is a spiritual dimension that he's inviting us to by his word that will be accomplished as we give ourselves to fasting the way he chooses. Notice the word of the Lord, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? This is what the Lord's chosen. To loose the bands of wickedness. I want you to leave this verse up there, please, Brother Jerry. To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. I don't know if that verse is ringing in your spirit the way it's ringing in mine. This is the fast the Lord chose. Watch, watch. This is what the Lord chose. To loose. The bands of wickedness. This is what the Lord chose in fasting. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. That's the fast He chose. This is what is spiritually accomplished when we humble ourselves before God and seek to give ourselves to the fasting that he chooses. I want us to look and see exactly what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah here in this verse. Let's start with the first one. To loose the bands of wickedness. To loose is to open wide, to loosen, to break forth, to let go free, to put off the bonds, specifically even people's pain. Where does that pain come from? It's the pain, the bands of wickedness. And fasting does something in the supernatural. Fasting opens wide the bands. Fasting loosens the bands. Fasting breaks forth the bands. Fasting lets the people that are in those bands go free. Fasting puts them off. Where does the wickedness come from? It is a wrong, an iniquity or a guilt. And fasting breaks those bands. Our world is captivated in the bonds of wickedness. And we have a declaration from the Word of God that the fast the Lord chose will actually break off and loose them from the bonds and the pains of their iniquity, their wickedness, and their guilt. 
That's what that hear me right now. Some of you, you are still, even though you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you still battle with guilt from your past. I'm telling you, you can break the bonds by the word of the Lord if you'll give yourself the fasting and prayer. Fasting does this. Watch what else it does. To undo the heavy burdens. To undo, to be free, to loose, to unfasten, to loosen. Heavy. That word heavy there is literally figurative of people that are oppressed. The Lord said fasting would take off, undo, loose those that are under oppression to bands and cords and metaphorically fetters of slavery. People that are slaves to sin. Their bonds can be undone. Their oppression can be broken when the people of God will fast. Why do you think the adversary doesn't want you and I to fast? Because the adversary knows this. Hear me. Our world is in bondage to the bands of wickedness. Our world is under heavy burdens. And the word of God declares to me, this is the fast I've chosen. It will loose the bands of wickedness. It will undo the heavy burdens. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost by the word of God, if we'll give ourselves to fasting, God will reach through these valleys and begin to loose the captive, set free the oppressed, open prison doors, the dimension of deliverance that's available to the church is found from Isaiah's prophecy through fasting. He said, I'll let the oppressed go free. The words there, there's really only two key words there, three. Let go free and oppressed. You could literally read the oppressed I will let go in freedom. Let go free means to send out, to set free from bondage, to set free from being a slave to a master. That's the world. They're slave to the God of this world. Paul wrote and said, there are those that are taken captive by Satan against their will. How do we set them free? Fasting. 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 This is why your flesh resists it. This is why the adversary doesn't want us involved in it. Oppressed. This is a powerful word here. Watch. Listen. I believe there's healing in this, not just for the, our world, but for individuals even in this room. I'll let go free. I know I've said this, but I want to repeat it in connection with the word oppressed here. Because it's a different word than the word oppressed before. To let go free, to send out, to set free from bondage, to set free from being a slave. I'm going to do this for the oppressed. Who are the oppressed? Those that are crushed. Those that are broken into pieces. Those that are discouraged, bruised, and broken. That's the literal Hebrew word that was used there for oppressed, crushed, 
discouraged, bruised, and broken. And the Lord said, I've chosen a fast that will take those people that have been crushed and broken and are discouraged, and I've chosen a fast that will let them go free. One more in verse 6. And what? Notice what it says. That you break every yoke. Oh, I thought he was going to do that. This is the call that you break every yoke. This is the fast he's chosen. And when you and I fast, according to the fast he's chosen, we begin breaking yokes. To break, to tear off, to break off, to burst, to pull off, to tear apart, to snap. I'm just simply reading you the Hebrew definition of these words that Isaiah used. You know what I see? Come here, Brother Abel. Let me pick on you tonight. Just so I'm picking on somebody different. Not him. He's just my example. We have a world of people. You know what a yoke is? You know, a yoke is something that would... I'm not going to choke you. Don't do one of your MMA moves on me. A yoke is something that would... Sorry, not trying to yell in your ear. A yoke is something that would go around the neck and the shoulders of an individual or an animal to keep them in subjection to the one leading them or controlling them. It's a yoke. And they may try to walk their own way, but the reality is they're still in the yoke. Still held captive in this yoke. You okay? I'm not joking, guys. I'm just move with me. Work with me. Move with me. This yoke. But the Lord said the fast I've chosen, it won't just like take off. It will burst the yoke. It will break off the yoke. It will put asunder the yoke. And the man or the woman, the individual in your job, in your workplace, the life you come in contact with that is bound by sin and iniquity. When you and I fast, God said, you break the yoke off of them. How? Where does that power come from? It comes from God operating through a submitted life that has given themselves to a willingness to deny ourselves, mortify the deeds of my body, and to take up the fast that He's chosen. He said, you break every yoke. You burst, break off, snap, tear apart. I love that word, every. In totality, the whole, everything. You know what that tells me? It doesn't mean he's just going to get a broken yoke, but he's still, oh no. Every yoke. When you and I get alone with God, when we'll give ourselves and commit ourselves to the fasting that he chose, it brings total freedom to a life that's in bondage. How does it work? 
I don't know. It's supernatural. But I believe with all of my being the word of God. And I want to do my part to engage in the beckoning of the spirit of God upon the church in this hour. We have the answer in front of us. Will we participate? hurrying Luke chapter 4 these things we just read in Isaiah 57 and 6 loose the bands undo the heavy burdens let the oppressed go free break every yoke watch Luke 4 and 14 this is Jesus he's been in the wilderness fasting And Jesus returned. I know we referenced this earlier, but I want us to see this. Watch. After fasting, Jesus returned. How? In the power of the Spirit. This is what fasting will do in your life. You'll return from a place of fasting. You'll be in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But He returned in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit will lead you and I into fasting if we'll be willing to go and respond to the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. But after fasting, we don't come being led. We come in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of Him throughout all the... Now watch, skip down to verse 18 for sake of time. He picks up the book of Isaiah in the synagogue. This is same context, same time right here. He just come out in the power of the Spirit after fasting. And watch what he said. He's actually reading Isaiah. But listen to what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm telling you, if you and I will commit ourselves to fasting, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Watch. Because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Leave that up there. Watch. That sounds an awful lot like what I just read in Isaiah 58 and 6. Healing the brokenhearted. Deliverance to the captive. Liberty to them that are bruised. How does he know that? How could he say the Spirit of the Lord is on him to do that? Because he'd been in a place of fasting. You and I, if we want to be able to declare that and live that, and we should, it's the calling of God on our lives, we cannot circumvent this avenue of fasting. It's necessary. It's needful. And I hear the beckoning of the Spirit of God saying, Will you? Will you? I know we all have excuses. This is the thing about fasting. It's never convenient. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not today, but tomorrow. Fasting is never convenient. Ever. And if you're trying to make it convenient, and if I'm trying to make it convenient, I'm probably sort of like those in Isaiah 58, the first five verses. I fast, but I want to have pleasure while I'm doing it. 
No, what I want to do is I want to fast and get in a closet of prayer and accomplish these things that I read that He wants to accomplish through me. I want to pray in faith. I'm going to fast in faith. I'm not doing this for personal gain. Yes, I want a deeper relationship with God. Yes, I want sensitivity to His voice. Yes, I want to be used of Him. But I want it to be for His kingdom purpose. And I want to see the results that He promised me in Isaiah 58 and 6. It's never convenient. I'm 52 years old. I've heard everything under the sun in regards to fat. Probably not everything, but almost everything. I would fast, but I have this medical situation. Ooh, I made some of you. Ooh, just pause right there. I would fast, but my job is so taxing. It really demands a lot of me. I would fast, but, and you, you fill in the blank. Can I just tell you a story, a true story? And, and you, you do what you will with this. See, I got these kind of stories in my life. And so they really just blow apart my own excuses. My grandmother, shortly after she married my grandfather, she was young. She was only 16. Don't any of you 16-year-old girls get any ideas. She was far more mature. Um, I'll say in your image. Yeah, well, anyway. They would go to my grandmother's or my grandfather's house to his parents. My grandfather's dad was a mean man. But my grandfather's mother, my great-grandmother on my grandfather's side, Hester Stroop Winkler, she was a lady of God. My grandmother said they would go over. They would help work in the fields. They had a large farm. They would help work in the fields, and they'd go in, and then my great-grandmother would go in, fix dinner, prepare the meal for everybody, and they'd sit down to eat after working all day. My grandmother would look over and notice that my great-grandmother wouldn't eat. And she would ask her, Mom, aren't you going to eat? And she said, I've, I've heard this story a hundred times. I can probably tell it in my sleep. I thank God I've heard it a hundred times from my grandmother before she passed. My great-grandmother, she said she'd reach over and pat her on the hand and say, oh, no, honey, I'm fine. My grandmother at first didn't understand what was going on. But she said she would do this weeks at a time. Day after day, she said she'd work in the field all day in the sun, come inside and prepare a meal for the family and then sit at the table with them and never take a bite. Not just a day, but weeks at times. And I try to convince the Lord, I just don't have the strength if I don't eat, Lord, to do my... But I got my great-grandmother's example back here in my head. understand today the Lord is not 
trying to guilt anybody into anything. We just got to understand when we'll commit to fasting, the Lord will give us supernatural strength. Or you may be a little weak, and that's just part of the mortifying of the body. You may be a little lightheaded. That's part of the board. But there's something far greater. Another story about my great-grandmother, Hester. There was a neighbor somewhere down the road that was on her deathbed. They didn't expect her to make it another week. If I remember correctly, it was cancer. My great-grandmother had been praying and fasting. She told my grandmother, all right, come on, go with me. We're going down to that house. She said, we did. I didn't know what I was in for. I just said, whatever she told me to do, I just did. She said, we followed her. We went in. She told him, hey, I want to pray with. And they went in. She prayed with this lady. And after praying for a little bit, she turned to my grandmother. Or she turned to the people in the house and said, do you guys have a mason jar? They said, yeah. She, gave, she said, could you get it? She got it. She gave it to my grandmother. She told my grandmother, go fill that glass with water and bring it back here. The lady had stopped eating. She hadn't been eating. She hadn't been drinking anything for a day or two. She was quickly, they, they expected her to die any moment. She brought back this full mason jar of water. And they said, here, have her drink it. And they were like, she, she, she's not drinking anything. There's no way she'll drink. They said, have her drink the whole bottle. My great-grandmother said, have her drink the whole bottle, a jar of water. So they gave it to her. She drank the whole jar. Within days, she was up. She was whole. She lived several more years. How did she know to do that? What, what was that quick? I'll tell you how she knew. She had spent time in prayer and fasting. And there came a sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And a fellowship with God that knew when to go and what to do. Not because she was all that, but because He was all that through her. Prayer and fasting. Go back to Isaiah 58 as we finish tonight. See, this isn't woe is me. This is, oh my Lord, what you can do if I'll just get in alignment with your word. I'm telling you, read Isaiah 58 and 6 until it's in every part of your being. Read Isaiah 58 and 6 until you believe it with every fiber of your spirit. Read Isaiah 58 and 6 until you see it happening in your neighbors and your co-workers and your family. Read Isaiah 58 and 6 and pray it and believe it and act upon it until you see God do it. It's His Word. If those four things alone were all that came from the fasting He chose, that's enough. But it's not, and I'm not going to take the time to break them down like we did those four, but I want you to see. Verse 7, still talking about the fast he chose. We see the results in the first part, but then we see responsibility in verse 7. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, and you bring the poor that are cast out to your house? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh. That means don't hide yourself from those that you know in your own family that have need. Verse 8, now watch. 
There's also some personal benefit to fasting. Who cares if there's not? I mean, verse 6 should be enough for us. But watch verse 8. Then. Notice verse 6 and 7 said, if, if, if. But verse 8 says, then. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. Can you get that picture? This is what comes after fasting. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hid. What causes your light to break forth like the morning? What is that referencing? Light like the morning sun shining through. What would cause... What would cause the light of God that's within us to break forth like the morning sun shining into the darkness? I'll tell you what will cause it. Fasting. Then your light will break forth as the morning. Watch, here's another benefit. Your health. That word literally means your healing and your restoration. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Your health will spring forth speedily. Some of you aren't having healing come in your body because you refuse to fast. I've got Bible that says fasting causes my health to spring forth quickly. Go do some research. We're not going to do it tonight in this Bible study. But go do some research. Science and medicine has proven that fasting has powerful, positive medical effects on your body. I don't know the word athapagy or something like that. But whatever it is, it's a result of fasting. What is it? Thank you. That's the word. I knew somebody knew it if I got something close to it out. Autophagy. Thank you for reading my, that was my medical ver- words there. Autophagy. Go look it up. Go dig into it. This is, now, my hope is not in medical science. My hope is in the word of God and the supernatural work of his spirit. But science follows his word, not the other way around. And autophagy, as I say that right? What happens when you fast is... Autophagy is this eating away of cells that are degenerating to where they can be replaced with living vibrant cells. Now, that's a very succinct definition of it. There's a whole lot more to it. But medical research companies are working diligently to try to find ways to create autophagy in people's bodies to battle cancer, to deal with other medical ailments. You know what naturally produces autophagy? Fasting. Is it any wonder your health will spring forth speedily? I feel like I have a word for somebody. If you're battling something in your body, 
If you're willing to set aside, say, God, I'm submitting this to you. I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to commit myself to a place of fasting. I believe the Lord will prove himself in that matter. You're not bribing God. Please don't misunderstand or twist the word of the Lord. This is simply a result of the fast he chose. What he does with it is in verse 6. What we reap from it is in verse 8. All right? I'm hurrying, so I finish. What? Your health will spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. And man, this last line is worth it all. Well, this last line in verse 8. The glory of the Lord. Let that sink into your and my spirit. The glory of the Lord. The Lord's glory shall be your re-reward or your rear guard. What does that mean? That means after you've been fasting, the glory of the Lord will follow you. The glory of the Lord will cover you from behind. The glory of the Lord will come behind you and keep you and lead and come as you go. His righteousness is before you and his glory comes behind you. That's the result of fasting. I'm just going to read these other verses. Now watch and see this. What If you don't want to fast after this, I don't know. You're missing the word of God. See, I told you it was going to get better. Look. Then shall. Listen. Then you'll call. And what does it say? Who will answer? You'll call and the Lord will answer. And you'll cry. And listen to what he says. Here I am. Oh. Lead us into the realm of the spirit that you're calling us to. Reach into our hearts and our lives by your word. And let there be a willing response to the word of the Lord. You will call and the Lord God, Jehovah, will answer. You will cry and the Lord God, Jehovah, will say to you, here I am. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking, Vanity, stand with me, please. And if you draw out your soul to the hungry, notice, draw out your soul. That tells me this is a spiritual work. You draw out your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul. Watch. Then, then, if, then, if, then, if, then, then shall your light rise in obscurity. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. You in a dark place? Fasting. You're in a place of oppression? You have friends or family in places of oppression? Fasting. 
You want the light of the Lord to shine through everywhere you go like the brightness of the morning? Fasting. You want the bands and the bonds of wickedness to be broken from your friends and loved ones? Fasting. You want to call and have the Lord say, here I am to you? Fasting. You want to be used of the King of kings and the Lord of lords to set free a world from the bondage of sin and the adversary? Fasting. Fasting. I know we don't enjoy it. But oh, the power that is in it. Two more verses. Watch, because it just keeps getting better. And the Lord shall guide you continually. Anybody want God guiding you? Continually. And He'll satisfy your soul, even in drought. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing. It doesn't matter what everything else around the climate. It doesn't matter. He'll satisfy your soul, even in a drought. And He'll make your bones fat. And you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail. How does that happen? Fasting. Watch. And this is what people are going to look at you and they're going to see. And they that shall be of you, they'll build the old waste places. They'll raise up the foundation. This is a result of fasting of many generations. And you... You will be called. You'll be called the repairer of the breach. That which was broken, that that needed to be bridged, you'll be called that. You'll be called the repairer of the breach. That breach that was in your family, that breach in relationship that brought hurt and guilt and shame, that breach that seemed like it could never be healed, through fasting the Lord declared, you'll be called the repairer of the breach. And you'll be called the restorer of paths to dwell in. I've got faith that if I fast, I can have friends and loved ones that have lost their way. But through prayer and fasting, the Lord could somehow in His supernatural work through my life and yours, make us restorers of paths to dwell. We should be people who give ourselves to prayer, to the Word, and to fasting. It should not be a once every month or two. I'd go so far to say is there ought to be some time every week that you're setting aside for fasting. I am not interested in just doing it just to be doing it. But I am. I am fully desirous to engage in what I read in the Word of God. And I believe it. And therefore, I will participate in it. Amen.